Recorded live from that place near the thing where we met that one time, it's another Transformation Thursday Shelter at Home Edition podcast. I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her as well. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking with Penny, what are you doing? Hmm? Oh, just taking a few selfies in my brand new No Turfs t-shirt. The light is perfect, and I thought this would look really good on my Insta. What a coincidence, our guest this week is an artist and publisher who wrote an essay on how her use of selfies helped her fight her gender dysphoria and gain control over her image and visibility. And if I'm not mistaken, she's the one who designs, prints, and sells that very t-shirt you're wearing. Wow. Huh. What are the odds of that happening? This couldn't have worked out better if I actually scripted it. Uh, Penny, you actually did script it. I'm reading the stupid script. I mean, the stinking script right now. Oh, picky, picky, picky. Our conversation with Carter Munir will begin one minute after our traditional music swell and fade out. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loonie, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh, yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes, and change isn't good or bad. It just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love, we do have expenses. And by going to TransformationThursday.com, they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today, plus get exclusive patrons-only content. Um, if I say yes, can we get on to our next segment? Oh, God, I hope so. Okay, then. TransformationThursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure. I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy... I'm 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 Amy something something Stevens and my pronouns are she her. Amy motherfucking Stevens. Let's do that again. <laughs> you can roll with motherfucking Stevens. I don't care. <laughs> okay, and I'm Penny motherfucking Sterling, and my pronouns are she her as well. Back in 2018, I read an essay on them, Condé Nast's next generation LBGTQ online community platform. It was about how a transgender woman used her selfies to not only fight dysphoria, but to also define and practice her femininity. Additionally, she wrote about her disability and how she turned something that originally made her feel less feminine into almost a brand. At the time, I was beginning to question my use of selfies. As empowered as they made me feel, I began to wonder if I was overdoing things. Her article helped me to drop that doubt and enjoy the process guilt-free. And then last month, I saw one of the dozens of transgender women that I follow online post a selfie wearing this really cool No Turfs t-shirt that I'm wearing right now, and I posted a link to the website where she bought it. It was a website called Disquette. I immediately went there and bought my own, and then just poked around a bit to see what was being offered and who was offering it. One of the links I clicked revealed that the woman I bought the t-shirt from is the same woman who wrote that influential post. So I asked her to come on our podcast because heaven forbid I do anything without some sort of self-promotional tie-in. Carter Muneer, welcome to Transformation Thursday. Thank you for having me. Oh, we're glad you're here and thank you so much. Did I, did I do that okay about the, the story about what you wrote and how it, how it made you feel? Because I, I, was, I was trying to do it justice. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that was a, a really good summary of that article. One of the things that we do when we have transgender people on is we ask them to give us like the a brief overview of their life and how they transform their, their transformation process and where it's brought them to. Uh, would you mind doing that? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, my name is Carna Monier. I also use she, her pronouns. Um, I grew up in the Midwest. Um, I did not come out even to myself until I was uh, 25. 
um, at which point I had already gotten, you know, cis straight married. Um, luckily, I had uh, gotten cis straight married to someone who also turned out to be trans. So we um, we inadvertently were a team for tea couple. Um, which honestly was the luckiest thing that could have possibly happened to me. Um, so I came out in um, 2016. Uh, since then, I have been making a lot of artwork um, and writing on the topic of like gender and memory and trauma and body stuff. Um, my most recent big writing project that was released uh, was a zine called Napkin, um, aka Thank You for Having Sex with Cardamoneer, where I asked sexual partners to fill out comment cards after we had sex. Um, and it's like full of like trans sex writing, basically. Um, yeah, and uh, I'm also a micropress publisher. I run Disket Press, which is currently kind of on hold because of COVID. Um, but normally, under normal conditions, it is a, a risograph-based uh, small press that uh, prints the work of queer artists, mostly trans artists, um, and mostly cartoonists. Yeah. The risograph sounds fascinating. I also um, I have a part-time job in, uh, in a print department. So uh, when you're starting writing about it, it was like really cool. And I, and I love I love some of the I've, I've poked around and looked at some of the stuff that you've that you've done with it. Uh, including, I did you you the uh, the header for your um, OnlyFans page? Is that something that you had done on a risograph? Yeah. Um, so that is from a zine I made called "I Must Be Doing Something Right," which was a collection of uh, selfies and writing about my selfies. Uh, it was actually from sort of earlier in my transition, I, I did like a selfie newsletter where people would sign up for an email newsletter and then once a week or every couple of weeks, I would send them my favorite selfies from that period of time and also writing about the selfies, you know, how it made me feel and how I felt like I was coming along and things like that. So that zine is a, a collection of like what I considered the best writing uh, from those newsletters and uh, a bunch of photos as well. Um, so that uh, sort of centerfold from the zine is my header image on a lot of different websites, including my OnlyFans, um, because I think it's cute and also like represents me pretty well. Yeah, and I want to jump back here real quick to your your coming out story. And you, you, so out of curiosity, you can you can decline to answer anything you want on our podcast, by the way, but. You know, did you come out first or did your spouse and was it like, oh, me too? Or was it, you know, because a lot of people, you know, that's I came out, you know, in a, in a straight relationship as well. But then eventually my spouse and I ended up divorcing. So there must have been a lot of emotions. And, you know, and how did you work through and process that together within your relationship as much as you want to share with us or not share? Yeah, I feel pretty comfortable sharing that. Um you know, I was terrified. Like, I think like many people would be and are, um, I really had this feeling like I have finally achieved like a kind of stability in my life and I'm married to someone I love and things are going really well and I'm going to ruin everything. You know, I'm going to completely destroy everything if I even allow myself to think about being trans. Um, and so initially I sort of floated the idea, like, you know, I've been thinking like, if I had known about trans stuff in high school, maybe at that point I would have considered myself trans. I'm not saying anything. I'm not saying I'm trans, but maybe, you know, in that alternate universe. Right. Um, and from there, we, we talked a lot about it, you know, um, my spouse came out a couple of years after me and it, it took them a while. Um, but, you know, through the whole process, um, I, I was just very lucky that they are someone who has always been willing to talk about difficult things um, with me. And uh, I think once they saw how important it was to me and how much happier it made me, to do small affirming things, um, that it was it was the right thing. Sort of the the way we went about it, and and the way that I think a lot of um, couples go about it initially is 
we made some small modifications in our home life away from anybody else knowing. Um, so my spouse started calling me by my first initial instead of by my full, you know, dead name. Um, and also experimented with using female pronouns um, right. just between the two of yeah. us with the idea that like, if I hated it or if I changed my mind, nobody would ever have to know. Um, and, you know, other small things, like, I got my ears pierced, which is, like, not specifically feminine. You know, there's a lot of plausible deniability <laughs> in getting your ears pierced. Yeah. Um, but, you know, all of these small steps made me feel so good. Um, and I, I think, you know, by virtue of them also being trans, although not necessarily having come to terms with it yet, there was a lot of recognition that, like, maybe some of the things that drew us together in the first place was, you know, a similar discomfort with our, you know, um, assigned at birth genders and, and identities. Um, and like at this point in, in the year 2020, like my spouse has had top surgery and like they are, you know, very firmly like, a, like a non-binary trans man and like, um, I'm a trans woman and I just feel deeply lucky. Like our relationship has changed in basically every way from when we first met nine years ago. Um, but it's more authentic. Got, yeah, absolutely. It's more authentic and it just feels like we know each other better, you know, like, and, um, unfortunately, like both of our families had a lot of trouble with this, but the, the most important thing is that like our relationship is very strong. Um, and, you know, that's what matters to me most. I, I feel very, very lucky. Yeah, and I, I can sense a lot of love there. And I think, you know, one of the things you said about you got to know each other better because you got to know each other authentically now. And I think, you know, I think that attraction probably had something to do with it. You know, you know jumping in on the selfies, you know, selfies for a lot of people are like this sign of ultimate selfish. And I really, when my daughter was younger, I really got on her for taking too much selfies. But now over the last three years, especially the last coming up on two years since I've started my medical transition, selfies for me have become, I've been made fun of for them. I've been ridiculed for, you know, deeply by some family members who refuse to follow me on any social media now because of it. But they're therapeutic and they show a confidence in me. Have you, have you found that, if you experienced that as well from being chastised for it and as well as you know, hey, this is something that empowers me. So there's two sides of it. Absolutely. This. Like when I was first coming out, um, you know, the, the first big medical piece of my transition that, that I prioritized was laser hair removal. Um, I come from like a Persian background and I had, you know, like, uh, like many trans women, um, before coming out, I had uh, like that sort of like denial dysphoria beard for a long time. Um, and I had such thick facial hair that even when I um, shaved completely cleanly, it looked like I had a five o'clock shadow. Like it was impossible for me to um, get my face looking smooth. Um, so I really prioritized getting laser hair removal, but laser hair removal takes time, right? Um, like if you have any experience oh, yeah. with it, you know, and that like, and it hurts like fuck. It hurts like fuck. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> it, it is not a comfortable process. Um, so like, it, it took me about a year of consistent, you know, like once a month, intense, painful laser hair removal to get my face to a point where um, there wasn't like visible stubble at, at all times. So during the time that I was presenting publicly as a woman, or enough like androgynously enough that people could tell that I wasn't a man right but I still had facial hair there was this very uncomfortable experience of being stared at and sort of confronted all the time um and it sucked and it was super uncomfortable um that was around the time that like uh we were going through like a big family crisis because my mom was dying so I was in the airport all the time like flying between uh, where I live in Michigan and where my parents live in the Midwest. And um, 
my spouse really saw like, you know, grown men doing these like exaggerated double takes and turning around to look in the airport, in restaurants, everywhere. And I, I just very much felt like I was being stared at all the time. And so selfies were a way for me to think about and like reclaim and recontextualize like the gaze of other people. Um, where like, if other people are going to be looking at me and staring at me and assessing me, then it felt like one of the only things I could do was to do that for myself in a way that felt like I was like celebrating my features or finding something that I liked about them. Because the other alternative is like to walk around with a bag over your head being like, I'm so ugly, I shouldn't be out in public, you know? Um, yeah. So I, I really found a lot of power in taking selfies because even when they were kind of edited or even when they're at that, you know, MySpace famous selfie angle where you're holding your arm like straight out way above your head. Um, it was like, okay, like this is an angle that like theoretically somebody could see me at. This is a way that I looked and like a recording of a way that I look that I feel good about. And knowing that I can look like this even briefly, even theoretically, even from a certain angle, makes me feel better about myself because, like, I am in control of my image for this brief time. Absolutely, I, I absolutely feel that way. And in one of my shows, I even I even talk about that. I talk about how I got really good and I, that I've gotten very good at making myself look really good for one one thousandth of a second at a time. Yep, absolutely. And I remember the first time I. I took a picture of my, mine is a little bit different. I, I uh, was roughly twice, I was more than twice your age when I finally uh, started admitting. And for me, I knew all, I knew my entire life that I was transgender. There was, there was never a doubt, but I, you know, I, another, another one of my shows, I, I, I mentioned I was transgender before transgender was even a word. So I had to live with all of that shame and hearing people talk about this and hey you know be a being a dude all this time uh, and, and so I and I was certain that I would never one of the things that kept me from doing anything about was I was certain that I was going to make a very horrible ugly woman and I remember the very first time shortly after I admitted I was trans I'm, I'm a single single parent uh, both of my children my youngest children were living at home with me at the time for like uh, 12 out of 14 days, I had full custody of them. And so I was, I would wait until, and then I was also fortunate enough to be um, in between jobs when I admitted myself that I was transgender. So I would get them to high school and then I would come home and I would start putting on like feminine clothes and things that I would have. And, and I took this picture of myself wearing a, wearing a slip and a red wig uh, and some makeup and, and stockings. And I took this picture of myself and I, for the first time in my life, rem saw myself. That's a beautiful picture, by the way. Ah, uh, thanks. It really. I love that one. Ah, uh, thank you so much. And it was, it, it was, it was, it was. I was cute, and I was erotic, and I was like, oh my god, this was the person that I was, that I always was. And it was, it was so, it was so empowering, and it's so, it was so validating that I, I understand this so much. Absolutely, like it's so being able to see that that part of yourself or even see the potential like is such a powerful feeling because there's always you know part of womanhood just in general is that feeling of like always being removed from like the abstract feminine ideal like you mm -hmm. know even the most beautiful perfect cis women or whatever also feel bad about their bodies because like that's just what everyone has been taught to do right exactly that, that's part that's part of modern womanhood is to uh have a certain element of self-loathing absolutely yeah. but like seeing that potential in yourself and just being able to say like i see something in myself that that tells me that i can be the kind of woman i want to be and like that i am not hopeless you know that i'm not forever ugly like I, I think that's why a lot of people grow beards. It's certainly why I had one for such a long time. Like, uh, yeah. you know, hiding your I, face. I, like, I, I grew my beard in uh, 1970, 
1977, 1978. That's <laughs> in kindergarten, Penny. Yeah, and and uh, and Carter had yet to be born. Yeah, I and, was and, I was a bit off. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> and I I literally wore a beard until um, I, I shaved it off briefly in 2000 for for a while in 2010 uh, because I was I was in train to ride a bicycle up uh, Mount Washington, and so I, I was like literally. I was literally shaving every single ounce of anything that I didn't, that I didn't have to have. I, 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 I got rid of, and that included my beard and then I grew it right back. But up until then, but you know, and I remember, and, it, and I shaved, I remember shaving off my beard, uh, the, the day that I actually was finally okay with, with admitting that I wasn't actually a man looking and looking at myself in the mirror and starting to, see who i was and be okay with it yeah absolutely and now on top of that we have disabilities and you talked about this in the article too you have um hypermobility type ehlers danlos syndrome is that yeah that's ehlers? right ehlers yeah ehlers? i i say ehlers danlos but honestly i've heard it pronounced so many different ways it's, it's one of those ones like i don't know if there's a, a right way to say it yeah and that is uh I have loose joints is what it was. yeah it's a it's a connective tissue disorder so i guess the easiest way to think of it um that that i've heard it explained is that um you know you have ligaments and you have muscles and ligaments are supposed to be like ropes holding your um your bones together and then muscles are like rubber bands and they they flex um but my ligaments are like rubber bands. Uh, they they don't do a great job of like holding things in place. So it's really easy for me to hyperextend and dislocate and sprain. Um, and my muscles are the the things that are doing the work always of like keeping my joints kind of in the place that they should be. Um, so when I was still working hourly jobs, um, like I worked in a in a tea shop. I worked. Um, as a, as a hostess in a restaurant, I worked in a used bookstore, any of those jobs where you have to lift anything or support anything or really do any sort of like simple manual labor, I just kept getting injured and injured and injured over and over again. Um, which is deeply frustrating because it always felt silly to me that like by pouring a pot of tea, I could sprain my wrist or by, you know, like opening a stuck doorknob, I could sprain my wrist. Like it felt, it's very easy to like minimize your own potential for injury when it feels like so silly, you know, or like such a low threshold. Um, but yeah, the Ehlers-Danlos is like a, uh, it's a class of, of different types of disabilities. So there are people with like much, much more severe types of Ehlers-Danlos than I have. I have probably the, the mildest type that you could have. Um, yeah, the the best possible worst thing, you know? <laughs> right. I mean, like, uh, and unlike the worst level, like, your arteries have the potential to, like, shred. Oh, my and, God. Like, which is horrible. And, like, I don't have that. And I also don't have, like, what you would call Marfan-type um, symptoms. So, like, when you see people in Ripley's Believe It or Not, and they can just sort of, like, lift their skin off of their, um, off of themselves, they have really, really stretchy skin. Um, I don't have that either, um, which is good because like that introduces a whole host of other problems. Um, so I honestly, like as far as Ehlers-Danlos goes, I'm pretty lucky. It's just still a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. And also it, you, the way, as I recall in the article, the way, which I will provide a link for as well on our, on our uh, Facebook page, um, it happened, it started flaring up as you had transitioned. And so now you had to deal with all of these clunky braces and things that you had to wear in order to survive. And still, and, and that must have just thrown an absolute whammy onto your, uh, onto your quest for femininity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it felt very frustrating that I was dealing with both of these things at the same time. Like uh, for a lot of people, Ehlers-Danlos really kicks in in their sort of mid-20s, which is exactly when I started transitioning. Um, and so I was dealing with like this feeling that my body was failing me, you know, like my previously very strong, very capable body was no longer able to do the things I expected it to. And I wanted, you know, like being trans is already like, 
enough of a a difficult thing and like a thing that people around you are are hyper aware of. I didn't want to have to ask for extra help, you know, uh, especially when I was in jobs after I had transitioned where I needed to lift or do things, especially the hostess job that I had working at a gay bar. I really, really loved that job, but it was very painful for me to, um, be trans and have everyone there know I was trans and then have to look them in the eye and say, I cannot carry this tray of water glasses. You know, like I felt like I was lying even when I was telling the truth because it just felt so um, painful not to be able to do these like very simple things that it felt like I should be able to do. Um, And so coming to terms with like the limitations of my body and then also the aesthetic navigating part. yeah right yeah navigating the aesthetics of my body um was really like a an interesting sort of navigation um something i really like um i have a friend in in chicago who runs an etsy store called rebirth garments that i highly recommend to any disabled queer people um who need to use braces or prosthetics or are in wheelchairs or or anything um it's run by um, a friend of mine named Sky, and they are a genius. Um, and so I got some wrist brace covers from uh, Rebirth Garments, and they at least added like a certain level of like intentionality or flair to these like very ugly, sweaty things that I had to wear all the time. Um, but yeah, very frustrating. Um, And I'm happy to say that since I started working from home, I haven't had to wear braces in nearly the same way because I'm not lifting things anymore, you know, needing to push myself in that way. And I have very, very understanding uh, spouse and roommate who are willing to pour coffee for me. Um, Oh, I I, bet that I would just, I would milk the fuck out of that myself. I would would, would be lounging on the bed, you know, and, and, and asking them to peel me a grape as well. And all that all that classic Mae West shit. I would be doing. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, sometimes I, I definitely do. Um, <laughs> and it, it's very, very nice that they're extremely accommodating of me. Um, like it, it was hard to get to that point, you know, because again, it feels silly when you can't pour your own milk for your cereal. It's yeah. like, of course I can, you know, like a child can do this, but you know, I can't, I can't anymore. Um, yeah. Or rather, I can, but not without the risk of injury. So, like, it, it's a weird thing to get your head around. Yeah. And it's also, it also, for, at least for me, because one of the things that kept me from transitioning and that I worried about constantly, and I still do constantly, is I, I'm an amputee. And um, for a lot of transgender women, legs are really, really important. They show off. They're one of the few things that are quite are relatively easy to feminize much easier than a body uh that's why you know you see a lot of people a lot of a lot of transgender women a lot of crossdressers wearing really really short skirts and high heels stuff like that i could never do uh and on top of that i'm a performer and you know, i love wearing dresses i love feeling pretty and wearing a dress and so to be able to walk on stage with a prosthetic and to, to for an hour and to, to get past it is always an emotional journey for me and I I don't ever talk about it and so one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on here is because you have hearing you talk about your disability and being transgender I felt like that same sort of double whammy that I had where I was two sorts of you know I don't want to say duplicity but um but but like fakeness about myself that I that I'm trying to hide yeah absolutely I mean it's it's different types of passing um And like, I definitely have found that like, the more that I'm able to pass as a woman, coincidentally, the less I'm able to pass as an able-bodied person. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, it's just a weird thing. Like, it's it's hard to to navigate and and know what to do with. Um, And I just feel very lucky to have so many um, powerful, like queer, disabled women um, in my community who I can, you know, look up to and, and talk to. 
it helps a lot to know that there are people who are experiencing and, and you know, navigating these things. And like, I think everyone's impulse is to sort of minimize their own situation. But like, you know, for me, it, it honestly feels like what I have isn't life-threatening, thankfully. Like, it's a huge inconvenience and like very impacting on a day-to-day -day level, but it's not on the same level as, as some of the friends I have who, you know, um, need to use ventilators or um, need to be on IV lines all the time or, or whatever. Um, so I, I feel really lucky to know people who have a lot of experience navigating these things and also looking great while navigating these things. Um, and as I said, like um, people like Sky and, and uh, organizations like Rebirth Garments, like give me a lot of inspiration and, and hope when I'm feeling my worst because I, I can look and see like, okay, like even if things get really, really bad, there are people who make it look fantastic. And like, that's something I, I like a lot. You know, as I, as I listen to you to talk about your experiences here, we're talking about selfies, we're talking about femininity. There's a word that's circulating in my head because it was used the other day when I was hanging out with a friend as, you know, we're beginning to come out of this quarantine. We're sitting on a front porch enjoying some nice weather, but the word's essence. And there's an essence in femininity and I think in womanhood that I think as trans women, we, we struggle with sometimes. And I think maybe a little bit more than cisgender women, but I know plenty of cisgender women that struggle with it too. So I think a lot of our struggles are just part of being woman or being a woman and being feminine. But this essence of femininity, it's, and I think, you know, you use that, you know, you catch that angle of yourself, you catch the right light, maybe it's makeup or whatever, but do you find that, that you just find that specific moment and you're able to capture that essence in that and you're able to post about it, talk about it, perform about it, um, tell a story about it in, in Penny's um, situation? Because I'm sitting here encouraging her right now to like, you need to write a story about your, about, about your leg and, you know, this, there, there's a story there. So, I mean, this is probably for both of you. I mean, how do you, how do you work within your limitations to find that essence? Yeah. Um, Penny, do you want to answer first or should I? <laughs> I'm starting to interview Penny now. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I, I basically do straight on denial, quite frankly. Um, how do I, how do I do that? It, it's, it was interesting because while I was um, training to ride up the mountain, um, which was a hellishly, horribly steep mountain. Uh, Mount Washington is is, is, is is an ungodly steep mountain to climb. And uh, and so I was like thinking that I would uh, like, and I did somewhat center the fact that I'm an amputee while I was doing that. And, and also a 50 something year old amputee while I was doing that. But once I transitioned, I immediately backed away from that and started regretting it. And, you know, it is part of who I am. It's been who I am since 1979. Um, and, it, and in, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here saying, you know, I, I don't have any secrets anymore. And I'm, I'm out everywhere about everything. And I'm in the back of my mind, I'm saying that's pure bullshit because I don't talk about my prosthetic. I don't talk about my amputation. You don't. I don't ever. Other and than me knowing about it, that's about all I know. Yeah, I know. I don't. And, and, and it's something that I think it is an interesting story. It is a, uh, but I, and it is, it is part of my essence. Um, I have used it sometimes to inspire others, but yet I don't ever use it to inspire myself. And as your designated best friend, according to Megan Mack from WXXI, I'm kind of disappointed in this too, so... <laughs> I'm 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 your I'm your I'm your uh, North American continent best friend. That, that's and, uh, true. And Emma Emma's your best friend in the and uh, in the European Union. Is that it? No, she's she's part of the UK. They're out of there. Okay. So any, anyway, <laughs> anyhow, Carta, so, your turn. I, I, I want to hear Carta's story. Um, I mean, so first I I want to say like I I really I feel where you're coming from, Penny, and I also think like. I would be really interested, you know, as a trans person with a disability to hear, like, not even about, like, the specifics of, like, why or how. What happened. You, what happened. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but like what, how it impacts your day to day, you know, as a trans person, like that, that is where I, I feel like a lot of the, um, the interest lies because it's like, you know, I, I have a hard time imagining, like I, I, that's very far outside my lived experience. And like, I would be curious how you navigate it and how you navigate it um, when you're presenting, when you're on stage, um, if you're yeah. going out, you know, like just just sort of how you think about it. Because like, I, I know that there are a lot of people in similar situations and it's honestly not something I've ever heard anybody specifically talk about. Um, so like, obviously personal comfort is very important and you don't want to feel like you're, you know, super on the spot, like an animal in the zoo, right? Like that's not, not what you want, but like, if you ever do feel comfortable talking about like, you know, just like what, what on a, on a very like sort of basic, like, this is my, you know, if I'm going out to get coffee or something, this is what it's like for me. I would love to hear it. Um, and like on a personal level, like, I don't know, I, I think what I decided, um, especially working that gay bar job, um, because everybody there knew I was trans and everybody there knew I had a disability, like when, when you're trans, when you're a person with, with a disability, um, people know so much about you immediately, you know, like, being trans, they know more about your body than you want them to. <laughs> and yeah, absolutely. That's so horrible. Yeah. And having a disability, they know more about your body than you want them to. And like, because of the work that I do, people also know, like, I am a survivor of like childhood abuse, you know, like, and that's also like a, people know more about me than I necessarily want them to. So like, I'm going to try and take control of that as much as possible. Like, if people know I'm trans, then they're going to know I'm trans because I told them. Um, and if they're going to know that I have a disability, they're going to know because I talked to them or, like, I told my story about it. Um, and, like, it's just sort of a sense of, like, wanting to have the final word on it, you know? I would rather be understood because I'm able to articulate what I'm going through than to have, you know than to sort of rely on whisper networks to get it right because they never will. Yeah. And I think there's something in that too, where, you know, the Penny and I have talked about this, but being trans isn't the most interesting thing about this. I have two metal rods in my back. And so I, my disability wise is just making sure that I don't put on a lot of weight to keep type two diabetes. So I don't care too much weight on my hips and, you know, it helps me, you know, stay mobile. And so, but uh, the, but we all have we all have these things. But when you're trans and then you throw on, you know, very visible disabilities, there's so many natural assumptions that are just made about you. And people know about them that the whisper mills that feeds it. But being trans or being disabled is really not the most interesting thing about you. You know, what I'm getting here is this amazing feeling of energy through Zoom and through emotion that is much more you know, connective than us being trans or, or, you know, our physical limitations that we have. Those are just part, we all have them at some level, you know, physical or emotional. So it's just, I don't know where I'm going with this. Rescue me, Penny. It's just lies. <laughs> that we, it's just lies we tell ourselves more often than not that everything that I've ever said about my life that I, or everything that I feared having being revealed about my life uh you know 50 years of hiding that i was transgender um decades of hiding i mean i i, I did every single thing that i was not supposed to as an amputee never sit up when you can lie down uh never stand when you can sit uh never never walk when you can stand never run when you can walk ride as much as possible and i got a job toting a freaking camera around for uh, the not only that this is this is like back in the 1980s when i had the you know i i had the uh 
the the, the three Plumacon tubes, uh, the 28-pound camera, and also a 26-pound record deck on the show, plus the plus the 22-pound tripod strapped to my back. And I was, like, walking up mountains with this shit. And uh, it, it was, it was, I, I never, it was like, but I never said, yeah, but I'm only have one leg. You know, it's like I never, never, right. never bothered to celebrate that. I never bothered to make a big deal of that. I always tried to hide it about myself, and it always was an a shame a shame point of myself. Um, it, and it still is. Uh, whenever whenever you see me on stage, I'm working on video right now, and basically every more often than not, you will see my right hand covering my right knee, or if, if my hand's not covering my right knee, my left leg is covering my, my my right leg because I'm trying to hide the fact that I have a prosthesis. I am always aware of where it is. I'm always aware of how it's how it is affecting, of where it's pushing against. I constantly have phantom pain. All these different things that I never, I, I never really bring to the forefront about my existence, and I'm I'm really kind of tired of it. Yeah, I mean they're they're a part of your existence, and like I, I think for a lot of a lot of people, like there's this fear of like being defined by disability. You know, like you don't want to only exist in people's mind as someone who's different because of you know something you can't control in that way but like it's also it is part of your lived experience and like in the same way that like it's not you know if someone tells me like oh i'm left-handed i'm not going to be like oh well fuck you you know like uh i resemble (laughs) that remark right like it's it's like that's just it's a thing about you and like it's it obviously impacts your life in like a a really substantial way um and i don't think that any reasonable person would think any less of you for talking about it because it you know it's it's important um it's it's tough and i really appreciate you uh doing what you did and it's, it's taken me two years to get to the point where I I've been able to do this, and I, I maybe it was just like you know kismet that uh, I got this T-shirt and I, I saw this T-shirt this this really cool T-shirt and it turns out to be the same woman that inspired me in uh, in 2018 two years earlier. So I want to thank you for 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 hold on, but I'm gonna go get that T-shirt and copy you, Penny, because that thing's beautiful. <laughs> Make sure it it, it is really suck. Yeah, it says no turfs. I love it. And uh, what is the image behind it? It's it's a it's, it's a screaming, raging woman. Uh, where did you get that image from? So that image is from um, the final scene of classic horror schlock movie Sleepaway Camp. Um, <laughs> I only see J.K. Rowling. Oh no, <laughs> no, no, no! I want to hear the story. I want to hear the story. So, so uh, if you're not familiar, uh, Sleepaway Camp is a horror movie that. I quite like. Um, it came out in the early 80s, but it's like very 70s. Like, uh, it's a summer camp, like slasher type movie, but like what sets it apart from a lot of others in that genre, especially early on, is that all of the kids are played by kids. It's not like adults pretending to be kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a series of murders at a summer camp. Um, nobody can quite figure out who's doing them. And then the big reveal at the end is that this shy girl who have been following all throughout the movie uh, is actually a boy who was <gasps> forced to become a girl by her insane aunt. Oh, and so God. she's been doing the murders. And so the, the final scene of the movie is she's standing naked on the beach. You can see her penis. She's holding a knife and she's like screaming. And the, the final line of the movie is one of the counselors going, my God, she's a boy. Um, and then it like sort of like fades fades out and like this sort of like weird stylized posterizing effect. Um, so it's trash and it's like very transphobic. Um, but I really like the image of her like totally naked screaming. Um, and I figured like if I'm gonna reclaim something from pop culture, it might as well be that, you know, like that it's a powerful image and like i think it should belong to us absolutely <laughs> honestly absolutely and carter i am just so glad you took the time to talk with us i love so many things you've talked about there's so many things i want to talk about i wanted to talk about laura croft 
with you and and that story which is one of your one of this very moving cartoon that you did uh a, a story about your life uh and and how you connected with your family through that it was it was moving and beautiful and so many different things that we didn't get to just because there's so many cool things to talk about but i do want to i just want to share one thing uh i can't with you the there there's an image of you that i, I was trying to share here uh of you as a little as a little child that uh is one of your biography pictures you are i don't know you look like you're three or four years old and you're holding a doll <laughs> and you yeah. have your shirt up and you are nursing the doll mm -hmm. and, and it's with this just completely innocent look in your face and you should somebody should have known something was up with you back then <laughs> yeah that was um it must have been right after my mom gave birth to my brother so that would have put me at at three years old um and yeah i i love that picture um but yeah i mean you were saying like you knew your whole life that you were trans and retroactively looking back I can say the same thing but for so much of my life it turned into a kind of resentment of trans people like um you know I wanted to be a girl when I was a child and you don't see me being trans <laughs> like uh I don't know what they're making such a big deal about right Thanks. um so it took me a while to get to that point of realizing that not everybody in the world has those feelings and that they are not in fact completely common and that it might be me. It might not be all those all those trans people making such a big deal of it. I might be one of those trans people. <laughs> surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> or not, as the case may be. Yeah. Right. Surprise yeah. not. <laughs> so Carta, it was it was pure pleasure talking to you. I'm going to continue following you on Twitter and on Facebook and uh I'm going to, I, I wish you continued success for Disquette. And also, I love the name of the, uh, the, the, the erotica imprint that you also have called Hard Drive. Oh, which, Harder Disc. Uh, harder Disc, that's it. Yeah, that's, e that's even better. Uh, and, and, and good luck to you and everything that you do, Carta. Thank you so much. This was really a pleasure. And thank you so much for being here. And, we'll be right, and Amy and I will be right back with our final thoughts about this in uh, just a minute. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to TransformationThursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back transformation thursday i am amy stevens and your pronouns are uh i was so flabbergasted after that fantastic interview that i just totally bah no bob there she her and i'm penny sterling and my pronouns are she her as well well you know we we talk about pronouns and we talk about our names and we talk about our genders and we talk about all this stuff and you know we always wrap up our show with what what we what we take away from it, the big aha moment. And for me, this this conversation around essence has been going on now for almost 48 hours with me. I mean, it's just we're not going on straight, but it's just been rattling in my head. And, you know, the other night, you know, when I'm over at my friend's house, you know, socially distanced, sitting on the patio, having a conversation, maybe a cocktail or 12, I mean, three, um, you know, but this essence in, you know, my friend, you know, she says, you know, she says to me, she's like, Amy, you know, you, you have the essence. I, I'm like, of femininity. The femininity. And I'm like, and I feel like I'm faking it sometimes. I feel like I don't have it, but she's like, she's like, but you don't. And I think we question ourselves so much as transgender women, things that I sometimes think are unique to transgender women, my, my cisgender female friends will say to me oh no honey that's just womanhood and so yeah. 
that essence, you know, you, Carta, all of us have it, but we have it in different ways. And we have it with our disabilities, with our infirmities, with our mental issues, with our mental health, whatever it is. With our size. Our size, yeah. yeah. I mean, we all have our features that, you know, might give us away, but somewhere, but, you know, there's, but it's, it's so, but it's so hard to place a finger on, and it's just a, and it's, and it's so hard to admit to. Yeah, it's so hard to admit that you feel that that it's hard for me to admit that I feel feminine. Yeah, and that I, and it, I will especially there. There are times when I am just by myself and just rejoicing in it and reveling in the fact, you know, that just little simple things like figuring out which earrings I'm going to wear, uh, or the feel of you know, the stockings going on my legs or just looking at catching my reflection in a mirror as I walk past it and just, okay, that's me. That's who I am. That's my feminine self. Yeah. And me today being able to wear a pair of shorty shorts, like ex- short, short, shorty shorts. And I get to show off my yams, you know, <laughs> your yams, yeah. your stems <laughs> there. You're, they're, they're, yeah. You've got nice ones there. Yeah. And and also the lies that we tell ourselves that to, to deny the, our femininity, I'm an amputee, amputee. So I could not, I cannot be a woman. Carta has her, has the, uh, the, uh, the airlows, the, 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 her syndrome, her, ligaments in them so she cannot be a woman because she has to wear these braces all these things these lies that we tell ourselves or just our size you know i have i have several women friends who give me their clothes to our generic cisgender women yeah and which so there's a lie right there that i don't that that i cannot be a woman because i am six feet tall because there are six foot tall women and it's something that, taller women yeah and taller than that yeah, there there it is it is up for me to stop telling myself that I cannot be feminine. It's up to me to actually embrace the femininity that I that I have, that I that I say that I embrace, and that my my limitations do not define me, right? That's right. And I just for some reason I just had this flash in my head. It's like you know, and I keep going back to the, the most problematic conversation you've probably admitted to on this show is that you know you know it's we're women and you know you're not an effeminate man that you know could get more sex if you yeah yeah you know so i mean this 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 isn't something we this is something that's there this is part of who we are and now we've let it out to the world and we should celebrate it and everybody should celebrate it yeah and you should celebrate if you're a masculine man celebrate that do it positively celebrate who you are in this positive environment and contribute to our society yeah and if you're an effeminate man celebrate that too you don't have to yeah just because effeminate man does not mean that you're homosexual uh, no. If you're gay, you're gay. By the way, just uh, to, to in case you didn't, you missed that conversation that we had in a previous one. Uh, a gay man one time came up to me and said, "You're very masculine. Uh, why don't you just be a gay man? You'd have more sex that way." Yeah. As as if this was about sex. It is not. Nope. It's it not. is about it is about it is about being our actual selves and embracing our lives and enjoying our lives and fuck everybody else that 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 wants to change that about yeah. us. Yeah. But you know what, Penny? Mm-hmm. Do you have anything that you take away, or are we going to wrap it up here on this essence? Bit? We we did, yeah. That's it. Yeah. This this you know the essence of femininity being the that that it you you get to define your own essence of femininity when you're transgender or if you're cisgender. It it is who you are, and you do not we do not have to conform to anybody's view of who we are other than ourselves. And thank God for that. And screw anybody who says otherwise. I think that's a good place to end, Penny. Yeah, thank you very much, everybody, for, for listening. Thank you very much, Amy, for being my partner in all these things. And thank you once again to Carter Munir for being here tonight. Good night, Amy. Good night, Penny. Good night, everybody.